Hello and welcome to a special bonus episode of the Pure Football Podcast. Uh, I'm Owen Brown and this episode is going to be all about stats in the Scottish Premiership. Um, I'm joined, as ever, um, by my co-host Gavin Miller. Gavin, how are you? Yep, super good. Good, good. Um, Today on the podcast we're going to be um, looking, as I said, at things from a statistical angle in Scottish football. I have some data, um, courtesy of Modern Football. Um, You should follow their Twitter and um, also join their Patreon if you have any interest in uh, stats in Scottish football. You can access the data that I'll be using for this podcast um, on their Patreon. Um, we're going to kind of kick off um, with some questions from Gavin um, that are, you know, maybe to kind of give a basic understanding of what we'll be looking at today. Um, then we'll be answering a couple of quick kind of questions from uh, listeners. And then I'll be running through some very quick kind of stats on players in the Scottish Premiership. And these are from last season, just to kind of get a basic uh, kind of understanding of um, how performance was in certain areas last season. And then as we move forward through this season, um, we may well do some further podcasts that have a look at stats from this season to look at player and team performance in the Scottish Premiership in the 2019-2020 season. So, Gavin, um, you said that you had some kind of questions that you wanted to yeah. kind of um, <clears throat> kick off. You want to hit me with those? Yeah. So I guess uh, I feel that it's quite important um, for someone that's I've got a limited knowledge of you know stats, how they're applied, what they mean, etc. So I guess the the first thing I'd I'd like you to just help me understand and, and probably help some of our listeners as well. You always see it flying about Twitter, but what's what's the basic? What does XG mean? What is it? Okay. Well, um, expected goals um, essentially measures the quality of the chances a team creates or concedes. So um, it's a way of using a model to look at um, the type of chances that are made by a team. Uh, so you know maybe looking specifically at a type of shot and then the detail around um, what sort of shot it was. Was this a, a, a shot with a foot? Was it a header? What location was it from? What type of a cat attack it come from? And essentially by doing this, by using a model that has within the database that the model uses, um, loads of other shots from you know tracing back however long you can essentially to make it as full as possible of other uh, efforts so there are some similar ones in there you can see what the chance of that particular shot would have been um, of being a goal the reason why it's useful is that it can be um, helpful in terms of being an indicator of um, future performance it can also be better um, as an indicator um, than just looking at past results and goals scored or not scored um, can tell you a bit more about how a match has actually been uh, in reality and whether um, there has been a bit of luck or not involved yep. for instance um, this very weekend um, for any listeners that watched Manchester City versus Tottenham Hotspur in the English Premier League um, it's quite a dramatic game yep. ended up to each um, anybody just looking at that score on simple detail alone um, might think, well, you know, it was a draw. You know, neither team deserved to win. Yep. Um, watching the game, you would know that Manchester City took twenty nine shots. Um, Spurs took three. Uh, Spurs scored with two of their shots, and their other one was a you know sixty yard effort from Harry Kane. But you can drill down a little bit further, and the XG would tell you what the actual kind of chances that were created by each side. Um, really merited in terms of goals so there might be a scenario where a team takes 29 shots but all of those are from the halfway line obviously those shots are Eamon not as Brophy. valuable yeah uh, shout out to, to Eamon Brophy um, 
but you know that then um, so you, you have a rough idea just looking you know from watching a match I'm sure we all kind of have a gut feeling um, as to whether a chance um, you know how likely it was to result in the goal but XG can just help you get some more evidence about that you know based on actual past shots and again I, I guess it's a similar principle with expected assists yeah so expected assists just the same but it's looking at the um, setup of the chance so you know sometimes um, assists can maybe be misleading because um, somebody might get a lot of assists through um, the centre forward being brilliant so it could be somebody got an assist for a pass that only got somebody to the halfway line and then Messi collected at the halfway line and beat five yep. people on a dribble and then scored well you know what what value is that versus maybe somebody who himself has dribbled past four people beat the keeper as well and then cut it back for somebody else to tap into an empty goal so it's about being able to understand well what is the actual truth behind this you know and, and get just information so that you can really understand what player performance was like what team performance was like you know cool so you sort of mentioned it there but why why is it important to to look at these things well um i think that it's always useful to be able to understand as much as you can about um anything you're involved in um so for fans you know it could be useful just to give you um a little bit more understanding about um you know what what's actually happening in a match um for teams well it helps them really understand their performance um i think that the fear is maybe that people use things like these to kind of shut down discussion so you're in, you're in a pub and, and you think that somebody's done something and you know somebody else just goes in and says no 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 that's not what the stats say my, my view is it kind of opens up conversations really it can kind of sometimes challenge the narrative a wee bit um, it maybe gets you a little bit closer to the truth in terms of things um, it can mean that if there's a commentator who um, is you know saying things about how brilliant uh, you know Liam Donnelly has been or how good um, you know a certain goalkeeper is you can get a little bit closer to the truth by actually finding out well maybe have they been unlucky or have they been lucky or is this person you know a really good finisher or you know not finishing at the level they should so the, the more you know the better I think okay and uh, from you know obviously again we don't claim to have insider knowledge or anything different but is then you can talk to um, about how you see clubs apply it or what clubs specifically do a good job with this in your perspective well, um, I think one of the kind of standout ones to talk about would maybe be Liverpool. Um, Liverpool are well regarded for having used data in their recruitment processes. Um, so obviously didn't really, well, maybe they did use it this summer and decided that nobody was up to um, scratch data-wise. And that's and why the they yeah okay Adrian. <laughs> yeah Adrian's distribution did they look at that <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah I mean the, 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 look it could get you an edge right so when a player is maybe undervalued um, you know when, when somebody is maybe um, the rest of the world maybe doesn't think um, that they're um, worth having yep. but you can find out they are or maybe you can sell somebody for more than what they're really worth you might have a little bit more insight into what their true value to the team really is um, and I think we've seen that Liverpool are able to do that. Um, whether all of that is down to kind of data analysis or not is kind of a moot point. It's just about using all the tools that you have at your disposal to kind of do better things. And that can be in recruitment, can be in opposition analysis, it can be in terms of analysis, analysis of your own team, so you know where the you know the plus points are, where the weaknesses are, where your kind of chances are coming from and not coming from. Um, all these kind of things. So I think it's really valuable. Um, you know, more information the better. 
Sure, I guess there's a couple of examples that stand out um, to that. Andy Robertson obviously being one, our boy. Um, so that's, you know, it, it's quite a big jump to go from, you know, what, Hull to yeah. to a top four team. So mm. um, I guess they've obviously looked at his overall performances. And again, like you said, it would be, you'd imagine it'd be a 360 view, right? They're not just making decisions off of numbers alone as mm-hmm. much as, you know, they, some people might tell you that's how it's done, but... Um, Robertson, Wijnaldum at Newcastle obviously had you know some yep. standout numbers and uh, I think one thing that I'm sort of thinking as well was um, Jurgen Klopp said in an interview that it was Van Dijk or nobody mm. so um, you'd imagine that <clears throat> looking at the numbers they got from Van Dijk they felt that there was nobody comparable sure. and nobody that would deliver what they needed for their system yep. and I guess you can say Liverpool have reaped the rewards from that yeah, absolutely. Um, so you can see the benefit of this, you know, in any way that you can get an edge um, is worth it for me. Um, in terms of some further things we're going to look at on this podcast, well, we have some kind of listener questions. So one of the first things we're going to look at is a question from Cami Anderson, who asked about um, which players have kind of exceeded um, their expected goals or expected assists, and should fans expect the same again? Um, so essentially, what I take Cami to have asked is who scored more than what their XG would have said that they were likely to do so and who got less than what their XG um, made it seem as though they would get. So we, we can run through these. Um, the kind of first two people who have scored more than what their XG suggested last season in the Scottish Premiership um, are maybe not an entire surprise. So okay. David Turnbull and Jake Hasty, um, both from Motherwell, um, quite significantly higher than anybody else in the league in terms of the numbers, um, and it could well be that um, you know there, there's a lot of positives about David Turnbull's game and Jake Hasty's game. So it may not just be that they were a little bit lucky. It could be that both of them are really really good finishers and um, got into really good spots. But having seen the games, you, you kind of know that a lot of what Jake Hasty got it from was cutting in from the side and yep. then kind of fairly long shots from outside yep. the box there were some longish efforts from Turnbull as well so you might want to be feeling a little bit cautious about whether that extent of goal scoring is repeatable for them yep. um, so that's an interesting one to watch um, b- below that um, Mikey Johnston Ryan Christie Scott Arfield were all kind of just in the kind of level below that so again those are people that maybe um, could potentially be a slight drop off in yep. goals um, Ryan Christie is sticking two fingers up at that so far yep. but again you'd want to keep in mind that those goals that he has had so far were predominantly from outside the box from low XG chances maybe there was an element of Xander Clark messing up and St Johnston being yeah, a wee I was bit too say. Um, low and not putting pressure on the ball so is that repeatable we yeah. shall see um, yep. Yeah. Um, at the other end in terms of people who didn't um, exceed their XG in fact were below it well, these could be people who were just unlucky, um, that or, got into really good positions and just you know through a chance didn't score, or they could be people um, as Gavin I think is pointing to, who are maybe just not very good finishers. Um, You're so much more polite than I would have been. <laughs> so top of the list is Connor Salmon. See, that's mm. where the or comes in. <laughs> Second on the list is Stevie May. See, <laughs> third on the list Tony Andrew. Uh, I'm on the fence with him. Fourth on the list Tony Watt. Ah, oh. fifth. Uchi Piuzu and um, sixth is Eamon Brophy who we, we already have mentioned as a, a celebrated shooter from anywhere he can 
possibly get a shot off. He literally reminds me of like when you had you know playing football at school or whatever. You always had like the one guy who, as soon as he got the ball, his, his first thing was he was shooting. It didn't matter what position he was in. Yep. Even Brophy's just never grown out of that, right? So he Pretty just much, likes, yeah. um, likes to shoot. Mm. Well, I mean, it also you might not have any other options on. You know, sure, keep in mind also... that you know Steve Clark's Kilmarnock were uh, lauded for their defensive um, structure, but maybe didn't create so many chances going forward. So. Maybe he kind of you know didn't have many other options other than to try and get a shot off himself. So anyway, that's an interesting one to keep an eye on. Um, both of those sides of that. Um, it could be that some of these people have been unlucky or lucky. Um, it could be an indication from some of these people that are very good um, finishers or very bad. Um, what should fans expect? Um, the answer to that is I don't really know. Um, so there might be you know some people might say that things um, are automatically going to bounce back or not um, depending on the particular thing um, and certainly you would expect people to be within a certain sort of um, threshold of over or under performance you know people over a long period of time we're, we're all kind of human people are capable yep. of roughly the same thing so you're not necessarily going to see somebody apart from maybe Messi um, go wildly beyond the, the kind of spectrum of people that are playing at the same level um, but um, things don't necessarily have to readjust automatically straight away particularly if in a league like the Scottish Premiership where there's a lot of change so my, my take on that is that given that the system you play in the players that you play alongside therefore the type of chances you're going to get things like that can change quite remarkably from season to season it's not necessarily for me as straightforward as to say, well, because this happened, then this will balance out in the next season. You might need to see a longer period of time or a little bit more stability in terms of the other things that are going around um, than uh, for, for that necessarily be the same case. But certainly the general principle would be that if somebody continues to do the same thing, then you know they might expect the results to kind of balance out. So if David Turnbull, for instance, continued to shoot from the same locations for the same team, um, we might expect to see fewer goals from him. So what you're telling me is that if Stevie May continues to take first-time volleys against <laughs> Hibs at Easter Road, they'll continue to go out for throw-ins? At, at, at best. Um, <laughs> now, the other part that we wanted to look at from Cammy's question, and, and, and kind of you posed this too, is the same thing but for expected assists, so that people are setting up chances. Um, the... Um, the goals that we looked at there for expected um, goals, that was just non-penalty goals. Um, for the assists, we've eliminated, eliminated set pieces and we're just looking at open play, um, expected assists and open play assists. So firstly, um, for people that have assisted um, more from open play than their expected assists, um, top of this was um, Scott Wright um, with 0 0.15 more um, assisted than expected assists per 90. Um, just tying with him was Andrew Nelson of Dundee. Just below him, Tom Rogic, then Ollie Shaw, then Biggery Mana, then Kyle McGuinness, then Conor McLennan, then Jermaine Defoe. So these are all people who potentially could have been a wee bit lucky. Um, it might be that they're playing you know, maybe with somebody um, who's a really good goal scorer and has managed to get off goals that their assisting didn't necessarily make it look like they would. Um, so just to position a question mm, to you there, yep. um, Scott Wright and Andrew Nelson both played for Dundee who mm. were by and large woeful. Mm. Um, what does that, so what does that number tell you then about 
right in Nelson and a team that was playing pretty poorly. Well, it might mean that um, they were kind of lucky even to get the assist that Wright and Nelson got, or it could be that Wright and Nelson were really good at creating the chances um, and that yep. they needed to get them on the field as much as possible. And yep. If they'd been playing all of the time for them, then they might have performed better. Um, it's hard to tell. Yeah, um, I guess it's there's more to it than just yeah, the raw number, right? But it's but just something to look at, you know, um, whether they were potentially lucky or whether they were actually those two players were capable yeah, of and I think Andrew chances. Nelson is someone that uh, I personally am a, a huge fan of yep. and uh, I think he, you know, he was missing for large parts of the season due to injury um, so for Dundee and could he have brought them closer mm. um, I guess that those numbers again just an indicator it doesn't mean at all but he could have positively influenced the output that they yep. were given on the park yeah um, absolutely and I guess another question I have from you from that information as well. Um, if you listen to our normal episodes throughout the week, you would have heard me ranting about Derek McInnes and his really poor strategy when it came to recruitment. So Aberdeen lost Gary Mackay Stevens, and again, this is a, you know a season over. How many minutes did they have to have played to be eligible? Nine hundred. So a good sample size, right? So they lost Gary Mackay Stevens uh, throughout the window, but then went on to sign, I think, three wingers. Um, Scott Wright is also a winger. Yep. Do you think it's disappointing that he maybe didn't look at what Wright could have offered him? Again, uh, outside looking in. Yeah, I, I, I don't disagree. Yeah, seems like based on this, maybe he was lucky. Maybe he is capable of making really good chances for other people. Maybe he's right not to. Maybe if you get right in now, then things will kind of regress. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Um, but yeah, certainly something to have a look for. Um, the counterpoint to this one is people who assisted less than what their expected assists would suggest that they should have done. So are these people unlucky? Um, you know, Were they playing with people who weren't finishing the chances that they should have done for them? Um, is that you know something that, that we should look out for those people? So we had Dre Wright at the top of this, um, quite you know high amount in terms of things for him. We also had Andy Dales, um, we had Erskine at Livingston, we had Oakley at Ackies, we had Barisic at Rangers, which is yep. an interesting one to see. Um, we had Greg Stewart, we had Nitcham, we had Naismith. Um, so these are all people who can maybe say that if um, you know the striker perhaps had taken a chance that he set up, um, then they might have ended up with more assists than you know what they did. Um, any kind of notable ones there? Yeah, I guess the, there's there's two that stick out to me uh, in terms of Barisic as we mentioned so there's there's a, a bit of a narrative that you'll hear in most games that he plays that people don't think he's very good um, or that he's not you know got the, the quality whereas I think b- both of us I don't want to speak for, for you but we're both quite confident in the ability that he has I think he just needs that sort of run of games hmm. to show it um, so I'm interested in that one and Rangers I think the left back position is still up for grabs there, right? Yeah. Um, I think if he gets that time, he could offer the same sort of uh, threat that Tavernier does down the right right hand side. Um, okay. Dre Wright as well. Uh, I know that St Johnson struggled towards the latter half of the season, but Dre Wright also missed the latter yeah. half of the season completely. Yep. So uh, for a team that again quite similar to Steve Clark's Kilmarnock in terms of there's not that much of a uh, an attacking creative outlet losing Dre Wright how much of an impact does that have to their season right yeah absolutely and it's kind of interesting that Kane of St Johnston was 7th highest for having less um, goals than his XG so was Dre Wright setting up chances for Kane that were reasonable chances and then Kane wasn't getting them 
um, as a possibility, right? Um, so yeah, that's something to kind of keep an eye on and I think kind of interesting. The next thing that we're going to have a look at was just a few kind of individual player stats um, from last season. So first thing just to look at is just um, a, a ranking of the total um, non-penalty expected goals for individuals just to look at who in the Scottish Premiership last season got the most XG. Um, top of this is Alfredo Morelos who had almost 16 XG. Um, next, Odson Edward, just over 14 XG. And then we have um, Sam Cosgrove, James Forrest, Greg Stewart, Scott Sinclair and Eamon Brophy filling out the rest of that kind of top seven. So those were the, the kind of people that overall got the, the highest total XG. Um, your amount there obviously depends on how many games you play. So, you know, the next thing to look at would be to have a kind of breakdown per 90. Um, do you know who got the most non-penalty XG per 90 um, in the Scottish Premiership last season? So I was lucky enough that we had a bit of this conversation earlier. So... Okay. Um, Talk us through it. Who, was, who okay. were the players? Well, the top three were Jermaine Defoe um, with 0.65 non-penalty XG per 90. Um, then Odson Edward. Then Alfredo Morelos. Maybe the most notable one out of the top three is the fourth person. Any idea who came in fourth? Tell me. It was Kyle Lafferty. Wow. Um, that might be a shock to people, I guess. Um, so Kyle Lafferty, fourth highest non-penalty XG per 90 in the Scottish Premiership last season with 0.59 and then filling out the rest there we've got um, Hardy um, who was uh, fifth um, highest which is really impressive for somebody yep. you know of that age playing for you know a team not near the top of the division um, then McNulty who got 0.44 and Cosgrove who got 0.44 and that's non-penalty as well so you know it kind of gives a wee bit more detail about um, players out with a you know high um, value chance like a penalty um, the <coughs> next kind of thing that we wanted to have a brief look at, just for fun, was expected goals from set plays. So we spoke about this earlier, Gavin. Do you remember who got the most total expected I, goals from I do. set plays? Uh, after a couple of guesses. Uh, <coughs> so my my instant guess for this was Craig Halkett. I remember okay. him scoring quite a few goals last season. And where did he? Score? He was fourth highest. He was fourth and last. Yeah. Uh, and then I think my second guess was uh, Conor Goldson. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you were right with that. So yeah. Conor Goldson, highest XG total from set plays um, in the league last season. Obviously, that total is going to be somewhat um, impacted by how many set pieces your team got and yep. you know, how dominant you were and so on. If you know you get um, ten corners a match or whatever, and you play for that team, then you might have more chance of getting more XG from set pieces yeah. than a team that gets one. So you know um, that's to. Be kept in mind, and maybe something we can drill down to later in further podcasts is how much does a person get as HD from a specific set piece, you know, so yeah. on an individual basis. Um, but certainly impressive from Goldson. Cosgrove was second. Lewis Ferguson, a surprise, yeah. in third. Halkett, fourth. Morelos, fifth. And Peter Herring, um, next. It's interesting that those are all teams. So I know, I remember going back to the start of the last season, Stephen Gerrard actually said that Rangers would have a an emphasis on set pieces that he didn't think that they, they had before. So I guess you're starting to see that with Goldson. Yeah. Um, well, Rangers yeah. definitely underperformed as a team um, in terms yeah. of actually the season before that yeah. from uh, set pieces and corners and so on. So, yeah, interesting that they brought in players and maybe brought in systems yeah. to allow them yeah, to Yeah, that's what I was just going to get at. That I think there's a, a couple of goals that I think this season that I remember where Rangers have been quite creative with their yeah. 
corner routine, um, and that's player runs or mm-hmm. short corner to. Um, sure. So it's interesting to see that. Um, yeah, Lewis um, Ferguson was a weird one. Yeah, in thirds, but um, yeah, we'll need to dig in. That that's the other thing I would say. You know, if these kind of things are interesting to you, then you know, go and have a look at Rangers corner routines on video. Go and yep. have a look at Lewis Ferguson and what he's doing um, at set plays. Um, the next kind of um, stat that we thought was kind of notable to have a look at is what percentage of a team's total expected goal total um, did an individual player um, have? So, you know, if you were um, just a dominant striker in a team who had nobody else that was making any chances, then you might have a very high percentage of the team's XG belong to you. Or if you're in a team that spreads out the chances, you know, maybe plays with some sort of 4-2-4 four, four, and each of the players up front is Neil equally... Neil Lennon's 4-1-5. Yeah, exactly, yeah. 4 one five all five are supposed to be in a penalty box and you're yeah. all getting chances equally yeah. then might be more of a share so this is quite interesting um, to me uh, so Sam Cosgrove topped this table uh, he got over 22% of the total XG that Aberdeen got last season so quite reliant on him you would say I mean that's part of the system you know the, the kind of function and maybe that's why they brought in somebody like Curtis Main who's quite yeah. similar to Cosgrove you know they're maybe quite set on that as a way of playing um, but that's got to maybe be troubling, you know, if you're in a yeah. position where Cosgrove is out injured or even Main gets injured as well or something, or if there's a problem with form for yeah. either of those, where the rest of the goals yeah. come from. My, I guess my other thing that I would be concerned about from that point that you mentioned there is also surely you would want your attack to be versatile, right? You'd yeah. want to have different things available to you. So because one thing works for player X, that doesn't mean that player Y who's a similar Hmm. means that that's that your actual attacking process well, is great that's a that's a good point so um on that note um third and fourth on this list are greg stewart from his time at kilmarnock and eamon brophy from kilmarnock together they contributed almost 40 percent of kilmarnock's total expected goals um so that maybe gives more of an indication about what um has come to pass this season. Yeah. Um and you know, you take Stuart out if there's not much else in that team as it was and you've not brought yeah. much else in that can contribute in an attacking sense. Yeah. I was just got problems are gonna I be guess, clear. I guess to add that don't have the number, um but I'd imagine Jones is a high contributor in that Absolutely, yeah. So that's uh, a big loss for Kilmarnock and yeah, so if you don't replace that, and we, we've seen that, that happens at all levels, so it's not just Kilmarnock. So, for instance, when Cristiano Ronaldo left Real Madrid um, at the start of last season, and Real Madrid decided, well, we aren't going to replace him, Ronaldo was shooting five or six times every game, was obviously creating a lot of expected goals, was probably a large part of their expected goals, yeah. and look what happened to them. Um, so these are things that the stats can help you understand so that you're ready for um, what might happen and to so avoid it so reading between the lines what you're saying is Greg Stewart and Cristiano Ronaldo are the same player <laughs> very similar but maybe <laughs> more like Brophy shoots as much as Ronaldo if but, not more <laughs> yeah um, the final um, kind of thing that we're going to look at in terms of a stat is um, open play expected assists per 90. So we spoke about this earlier in terms of who was over or under, but just a straightforward, um, who in the league last season had the highest rates. Um, any guess as to who got the most open play expected assists per 90, Gavin? So, uh, yeah, I think originally my first guess for this was Ryan Christie. Yes. Um, that was my first guess when we spoke about this. 
and Christie was taught when you added in set plays as well so yep. overall expected assists he's really high but when you remove set pieces he drops down to fourth yep uh, but um, top is a teammate of his so it was James Forrest who um, got 0.25 expected assists per 90 essentially meaning that you might expect him to contribute an assist every four games yep. so you know in a 38 game season that's um pretty reasonable amount of assists you know you're talking maybe 10 assists that you can hope to get from Forrest and remarkably um, out of the top five four are Celtic players so you've got um, Christie we mentioned in at fourth Rogic at third and McGregor at fifth so um, if you've got four players who are all almost on 0.25 expected assists per 90 from open play you can expect one assist one goal um, per game um, just by having those guys on the pitch potentially yep. which is pretty remarkable there was a bit of a surprise in second um, so he's come on to um, a bit of a game this season and ended last season really well um, that's Steve Davis of Rangers yep. who got 0.24 um, open play expected assist last season putting him second on the table um, behind McGregor in fifth we've got Candace then you've got McLennan in Aberdeen again yep. popping up um, you've got Daryl Horgan then you've got James Tavernier then you've got a surprise entrant who we'll, I think we'll round this off with and leave you that's um, Emilio Izagiri who um, is um, yeah shock entry in the top 10 yeah that was definitely a surprise mm. to me uh, I guess that's purely system right yeah um, okay we'll, that's we'll what I'm telling that. myself <laughs> yes um, so just before we wrap up Owen just a couple of specific questions to you not mm. about any player or anything okay so the first question is how did you get into this uh, how did I get into it? I had a very boring Christmas where um, <laughs> <laughs> I was kind of home alone and um, yeah, kind of investigated stats and stuff. I guess I'm just always interested in knowing a wee bit more about football. Um, I, I think the more that you know to be able to kind of understand what's really happened in matches and kind of maybe if you hear a narrative that's been put forward by a commentator or media and stuff and think, oh, that doesn't quite sound right based on what I've kind of seen and you know, something in the game kind of makes you think that you want to understand more about it. So that's kind of what happened to me, I guess. Um, yeah. Yeah, I was just going to say, when you said you had a boring Christmas, I was like, you know that your wife's still in the house. <laughs> <laughs> she wasn't at that Christmas. Okay, okay. That, that's, uh, okay. that's part of the point. Caveat, um, caveat. Yeah, that she was away home to Ireland um, and I was on my own. So, yeah, um, I ended up, you know, uh, deep in Excel spreadsheets. Can't mm. think of another way to spend <laughs> Christmas. Um, and I guess the final question I have for you before we wrap up, out of all the stats that are available, um, what what matters to you? What do you look for? What ones do you like to see? What do I like to see? Oh, um, I like pressure regains, which is a stat that StatsBomb have, who I've done some writing for. Um, pressure regains essentially tells you about um, the ball being won back by your team. So it doesn't necessarily need to be that you've tackled the opponent, but just that you've been involved in putting some form of pressure on them and then as a result or you know as a knock-on effect from that that team has lost the ball within a certain amount of time you know a couple of seconds um i find that interesting because you can maybe um yeah get to know a little bit about people's um impacts in ways that aren't just kind of you know normal kind of events like tackles and things like that and i guess that's sort of where the love for glenn kamara came exactly. from right yes <laughs> um yeah uh, glenn kamara has been uh, very very impressive in that particular stat um, last season 
So yes, those two things are somewhat linked. Um, apart from that, I think expected assist was also a, a bit of a game changer for me um, to be able to understand what sort of credit somebody should really have for setting up chances. Um, so yeah, that was a, a big one for me. And um, the more that we can get now into the realms of some form of tracking data, so things aren't just kind of based on events, so not just shots or tackles, um, I would be really excited for the kind of world of stats when we start looking into understanding who has the most impact on moving a defence, creating overloads, exploiting those um, beating structures, causing structures to be broken down. So those are, those, those are the kind of stats that I'm excited to see once we really get to that point. Cool. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of it for this um, kind of bonus podcast episode from Pure Football with a little look at stats. There will be more to come um, in this sort of way from us. Um, but thank you very much for listening to this for now. Bye-bye.